Now, when I was younger, when my father would tell me to do something, I could always tell when he was very serious, because if I demurred at all, he would say something to the effect of, Son, that was not a suggestion. Now, this morning, Paul gives the Thessalonians some serious commands. He enjoins these injunctions upon all those who hear this letter read aloud in the midst of the church. So therefore, he also extends these commands to us as we have heard his words read aloud in the midst of the church. He doesn't say, here are some things that you might want to remember. He doesn't say, here are some mere suggestions for you. But he says emphatically, do these things. He tells us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, in all circumstances to give thanks. And finally, he says, do not quench the spirit. Now, in the context that Paul was writing in, life was good for the early Christians. They didn't have much by the way of persecution going about, and nor was the government trying to pressure them to live in any certain way. It was basically the heyday for Christianity. So when he says rejoice always and in all circumstances give thanks, he really wasn't facing much turmoil or hostility. Those are lies, by the way. And these are the lies that we tell ourselves when we read the scriptures. Lies that make us feel better about disregarding the words and the commands of St. Paul. Rejoice always, Paul? That seems a bit excessive. I don't want to be fake to people. I'm a realist. Pray without ceasing, Paul? Well, I need to eat. I need to sleep. I have to do some sort of social interaction to be normal. Plus, there's work. I mean, I don't want to be broke. And then there's working out so that I'm mentally okay. How about instead of praying without ceasing, I just pray for about an hour each week when I go to Mass. And by that, I mean I'll let the priest do most of the talking, and I'll get the communion cracker at the end so that Jesus, Jesus punches my eternal attendance card. In all circumstances, give thanks, Paul. Well, if you knew my life, you wouldn't tell me to give thanks. You obviously don't know the kind of people that I deal with on a daily basis. Right. So, Paul, who was shipwrecked multiple times, bitten by a poisonous snake at least once, thrown out of towns, beaten, scourged, stoned on multiple occasions, and I don't mean that he found the sticky icky, I mean that he was literally almost put to death by stoning multiple times. And he still finds the way to tell us in all things and in all circumstances to pray unceasingly and to give thanks and not to quench the spirit. Now, this last injunction might be the most confusing for us because I think in about the last 60 years, the only time the word quench has really ever been used is by the sports drink, Gatorade. For the longest time when I was growing up, their slogan was Gatorade, quench your thirst. Now, I don't know if they still use it, and I'm guessing, like every other company it seems, they've probably come up with something way more socially, progressively minded that really doesn't have anything to do with sports, but at one time, their slogan was quench your thirst. Now, quench, in the classical definition, means to satisfy by drinking or to extinguish. 
So Gatorade wants you to extinguish your thirst or to satisfy it with their product. Paul is telling you to drink deeply from the Spirit and not to fool yourself into thinking that your thirst has been quenched, to not let your circumstances in life or the challenges that you face to extinguish the passion that you have for the Lord. Because the beauty of life in the Spirit is that no matter how deeply we drink, we can never quench our thirst. There is always a greater mystery, a deeper joy, and a more profound experience of the Lord to be had. So we rejoice always, knowing that Jesus has already suffered and died for us, and taken the victory away from death. We pray without ceasing, so that we may be conformed while here on earth, to the person of Jesus Christ. We give thanks in all circumstances. Now, Paul, in the Acts of the Apostles, give, gives thanks after being scourged. He gives thanks that he was found worthy enough to suffer for the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not telling us that we have to praise the Lord for the ways in which we suffer, but I would like to remind us of the words of Padre Pio and St. Faustina who tell us that if we knew the value of our suffering and the value that it has for the conversion of sinners, we would never ask for the Lord to let us stop suffering. But we all know that even though we may not endure physical suffering like Paul, that mental anguish and mental suffering can be serious and have detrimental effects on our health as well. Now, I learned recently that as we age, our minds tend to block out unpleasant memories. Not completely, mind you, but they recall them with less frequency and certainly with less intensity. It's called the positivity effect. We tend to remember more positive than negative information. Now, this is my own posit, but I think that this happens collectively as well. We like to remember the good of a situation or a time period, and not the exact nature of what may have been present during a certain event. Take the Annunciation and the Nativity, for example. When we pray the Rosary or we prepare in the time of Advent, we think of the glory of the angel speaking with Mary. We think of what beauty that a, the gift to humanity it was that the Lord came to the earth. But what I don't think we remember is how terrible the time period between when the Gabriel, when Gabriel angel, when the angel Gabriel, excuse me, I'm dyslexic, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and when he appeared to Joseph in a dream, telling him of the miraculous nature of the conception of Jesus. During this time, though Mary never sinned, how strong the temptation must have been for Mary to doubt the promise made by the angel. How much it must have been tempting to go into despair, knowing that if she was found to be with child, she could be killed. But this is truly the situation that Mary found herself in. And even though this meant that Mary could have been put to death, what is her reaction at the moment the archangel Gabriel tells her that she is going to bear the Christ? She rejoices. She breaks forth out into a prayer that is issued forth from her heart of perfect trust. 
And this is the text for the psalm that we heard proclaimed today. She doesn't have foreknowledge of the future. She doesn't know how it's all going to work out. She isn't even sure that it won't end in her death. All she knows is that the Lord God of Israel is in control and that she trusts him with every fiber of her being. And because of that trust, she has hope and she rejoices. And because of her trust, we rejoice. And the church this Sunday calls us to rejoice. This Gaudete Sunday, Gaudete, which means rejoice. We rejoice that even though, like Mary, we don't have all of the information about our current situation, we know that God is in control. He will work out everything for us. And even if it means that it ends in death, he will bring about ultimate victory. This is the message of Christmas, that Christ came into the world so that we would not fear the darkness, because Christ, the light, has appeared to humanity. So maybe we don't really connect with St. Paul and his mandate to pray unceasingly and to rejoice always, but maybe we can find hope in the example of Mary. Hope that we trust her divine Son to carry us through every circumstance of life. And when things get especially tough, to simply repeat the phrase, Jesus, I trust in you. St. Faustina tells us the greatest offense against the Lord is the sin of mistrust. It is the sin that hurts the heart of Jesus more than any other. Ultimately, we cannot let anyone or anything steal our joy for life. In a time in the world where there is so much uncertainty and the situation seems to change or have a new dynamic every single day, we have to find any reason and any way to hold on to hope and to try and rejoice. If we are in a time of life when things are going pretty well, then we should rejoice this week and find time to tell Jesus during this week everything that we are thankful for and how much we are thankful for it. If we are in a much more difficult time in life, when we find it hard or impossible to even pray, then we should try to rejoice in the simple knowledge that life will not always be like this. The Church calls us to rejoice this weekend, and we are given the commands of Paul and the example of Mary as guides to what this looks like. Between the two of them, we should find a reason in our life to rejoice because of the hope that we have in Jesus.